It is the best-selling book in history. No volume ever written has been more loved and quoted. And its words, sometimes simple and sometimes mysterious, should always be studied carefully. It is the Bible, the Word of God. Welcome to Bible Answers Live, providing accurate and practical answers to all your Bible questions. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this broadcast, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, here's your host from Amazing Facts International, Pastor Doug Batchelor. Well, a blessed new year, folks, and welcome to Bible Answers Live for another year. And we'd like to start with an amazing fact. She's certainly one of history's most famous women, with more schools, churches, hospitals, and people named for her than any other person. She's inspired countless pieces of art, literature, as well as sublime music and songs. Yet she speaks fewer than 200 words in scripture, and we know comparatively little about her. So why is Mary worshipped by millions around the world? Stay with us, friends. We're going to learn more on this edition of Bible Answers Live. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, accurate and practical answers to your Bible questions. Okay, friends, welcome once again to Bible Answers Live, and this is our first program of 2021. And uh, by the grace of God, the gospel is still good news, and we're going to do our best to answer your Bible-related questions in this broadcast. It's a free phone call. You just simply call us at 800-463-7297. That's 800-GOD-SAYS. We're also streaming on Facebook, and you can uh, take a look at Doug Batchelor's Facebook page or the Amazing Facts Facebook page. But with your Bible questions, 800-GOD-SAYS, 800-463-7297. And I am Doug Batchelor. My name is Jean Ross. Good evening, friends, and Happy New Year Year to everyone. Um, Pastor Doug, let's start with a word of prayer. Mm -hmm. Dear Father, once again, we are grateful that we're able to take time at the beginning of this uh, new year to kind of set our compass true north, and that is on your word. And so we pray for your guidance and your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Doug, you opened the program talking about uh, Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Of course, we've just come through the Christmas season, and there's a lot of discussion about Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. Uh, But it is interesting that in um, the recent uh, address of the Pope, the New Year's sort of address, he really emphasized Mary in in a way that, well, you don't really find it in the Bible. That's right. And, you know, first I want to just say, to be very clear, that there's no doubt that Mary was a, a godly woman and chosen by God with an ex- extraordinary responsibility, as was Joseph, for that matter. But uh, over the years and the centuries and millennia, um, there, there's been a mysticism that has grown up around Mary that she never would have proved of, that is not endorsed by the Bible, that she should be basically deified. And that means that we should make you know, a God out of her. Now, the Bible talks about we've got the, the Trinity, of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it's almost as though some dear folk are exalting Mary to the point where now you have a holy quartet. And uh, she is, you know, being brought up to this divine level. Um, Pope Francis, for example, during his first address in the new year, he recited his Anglis um, um, message. 
and he was focusing on the importance of entrusting ourselves to the motherly gaze of Mary through whom all is possible and uh, placing ourselves under the maternal loving gaze of Mary most holy. The Pope explained in his daily daily, uh, liturgy to celebrate Mary as the mother of God. Uh, Now, nowhere in the Bible, and this is a Bible program. Again, I want to emphasize, there's no question that Mary is a godly woman. I look forward to seeing her in the kingdom. But nowhere in Scripture are we told that we should pray to Mary or look to Mary. We certainly should not be bowing down (laughs) to statues to Mary. The Bible says, do not make any images of of anything in the heaven above or earth beneath, let alone of a personage and then bow before them. And even as the Pope gave this address, he stood before a statue of Mary. And so, you know, idolatry is one of the things the Bible specifically, New and Old Testament says Christians should shun. And so this is all this, you know, deifying of Mary and praying to Mary. Uh, This all basically encourages something that the Ten Commandments says should be avoided. And I think people, some listening right now, just a lot of lovely Catholic and Orthodox folks that have maybe been brought up to just love this, you know, person that they they hear about. And uh, but it's not a Bible teaching. And that shocks them. If we do have a book, it's called The Mystery of Mary. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be happy to send this out to anyone who calls and asks. And this is our free offer this evening. If you'd like to get it. The number is 800-835-6747. That is our resource phone line. And as for the book, it's called The Mystery of Mary. We also have a website that discusses this further. It's called MaryTruth.com. And you can just go to that right now if you're close to your computer. MaryTruth.com. There's just some great material there, a lot of Bible verses. And I think you'll be encouraged as you take a look at that. MaryTruth.com. Well, Pastor Doug, I think we're ready for the phone lines. Our first caller right. we have is Stephen listening in Canada. Stephen, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Doug. Hi. Um, hi. First uh, Samuel sixteen fourteen says, The Spirit of the Lord has departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. And the Bible says God is light, and in him there is no darkness or evil. So how could an evil spirit from the Lord torment Saul, and why does he use an evil spirit? Well, if if God turns out light in a room, the automatic response is for darkness to fill the vacuum. And if you read in this passage, if you go back one verse to verse, so let's see, we can go to verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that's David, in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And then you read in the next verse, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Saul had grieved away God's spirit. And so when the spirit of the Lord is withdrawn, basically what's happening is then, you know, God's allowing a vacuum to come and to fill it. Pastor Ross, you know that verse, if they receive not a love of the truth, God will send them delusion that they should believe a lie. Is that uh, first or second Thessalonians that I forget? Pastor Ross is looking up a verse for me. But does that help at all, Stephen? Yes. Um, but does that mean that God sends us an evil spirit sometimes? No, well, no, I don't believe that God is sending a spirit. He's basically, you look at the story of Job, and when the devil came to God, he was maligning and accusing uh, Job and God and saying, God isn't fair, you're protecting Job. And God said, all right, I'm going to give you permission to harass Job. 
with certain limits. So basically, God must withdraw his angels that protect us. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him. So God, when he withdraws the protection, the automatic thing then is that the devils are going to come in. And so you could say, well, the Lord, you know, sent a spirit. Well, he didn't really send the spirit. He just withdrew his protection and the devils came in. The verse you're referring to is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, because they don't receive a love of the truth, that they might be saved. For this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be condemned. So there again, it almost seems as though it's the Lord sending the spirit. But if the Lord does not protect and he withdraws his protection, there's only one other power that'll come in, and that's the devil. Right. It says they've received not a love of the truth, so they are rejecting truth. What is the only other alternative when you reject truth? You will then receive a lie. So here it says God sends them delusion. It means, you know, God's allowing delusion to come. Same thing with King Saul. When he rejected the Holy Spirit and the Spirit came on David, the only thing left when you reject the Spirit of God is for the darkness to come in. And God then allowed the evil spirits to take Saul. He didn't want that. He wanted to fill Saul with his spirit. But Saul, through his pride and stubbornness, he rejected the Lord. Okay. Happy New Year. And please say hi to Bonnie for me. I will. Hey, thanks so much, Stephen. She might be listening right now. <laughs> you take care. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right, we've got uh, Cole listening from North Dakota. Cole, welcome to the program. You might have your mute on, Cole. I do have a mute on. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> um, hello, I'm calling. I'm asking about First Peter 3. I'll start from, it's mainly on First Peter 3.19, but I'll read basically the context of 18 through 20. I can read that. Okay. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. Okay. So you want to know what that verse means? Yeah, I'm kind of confused on that one. I mean, I guess I've had it kind of when some people, you know, believe kind of like an immortal soul type thing speaking to, or who is he speaking to? What are those All right. spirits? Um, Do you have your, you got your Bible there. Um, I want you. Yep, I read my Bible. I want you to look in, if you look in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, it tells us, well, actually the first verse is it says that, um, when the sons of God saw the daughters of men, this is the descendants of Seth intermarried with the descendants of Cain, they weren't supposed to marry the unbelievers, that the wickedness filled the world. And you read in verse five, the Lord saw wickedness of man was great in the earth. But look at what it says in verse three. God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. So this is just before the flood. God says his spirit would not always strive with man. Then you go back to that verse there in Peter. And he's basically saying that um, if when they rejected the spirit of God, then uh, evil took over the world. And it's not saying that Jesus went down to hell and preached uh, during that time of darkness. It's basically saying that um, the people who were imprisoned by sin during that time um, were in bondage to sin and through the Holy Spirit, through Noah, he preached to him. God said, 
My spirit will not always strive with man. That's back in Genesis chapter 6. His days will be 120 years. So for 120 years, the spirit of God strove with the people, pled with them through the preaching of Noah, but only eight souls were saved. So does that make sense? It's not saying that a person dies or that Jesus died and he went to preach to people and give them another chance. Okay, that, that one I've kind of heard of it like that. But um, it didn't seem right to me. So that's why I thought I'd ask. Then I had some, I asked some, a pastor of mine and he gave me a, a lot of information. I was a lot to digest at the moment. So um, thank you. All right. Hope that helps a little. Appreciate your call, Cole. We've got Chris listening from Florida. Chris, welcome to the program. Yes, thank you, pastors. Uh, I have another question about uh, the Holy Spirit. Okay. And I'm sorry, I don't understand what was the role. Uh, can you explain, help me understand? In, in the New Testament, we know that the believer, once uh, uh, the believer is, um, is filled with Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave him. Is it correct? You're wondering about the Spirit of God then in the Old Testament. Yes, uh, what role of, uh, was of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, yes. The role of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is really the same as the role of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. You can read right there in Genesis, the Spirit of God was in the beginning, moving on the face of the waters. Um, King David prays in Psalm 51, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You can read in Numbers where God took the Spirit from Moses and placed it on the 70 elders. And they began to prophesy, just like you get to Acts, and it tells us that Christ places hands on the apostles and uh, or earlier than that. And in the upper room, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, you've got the spirit of Elijah coming upon Elisha. And so you've got the, the spirit of the Lord came on Samson, the spirit of the Lord came on David. And so you've got the working of the Holy Spirit through New and Old Testament. You don't have the full baptism of the Holy Spirit until you get to Acts chapter 2, but the Spirit of God was striving with people, as I mentioned to our former caller, all through Scripture. Now, we do have a a book on the Holy Spirit, too. We can send you, Chris, if you've not seen that yet. You still there? Yes, yes, I am, yes. We do have a book that's called, it's actually on the Trinity, Pastor Doug. We might also have one on the Holy Spirit called Life in the Spirit, but we have a book called The Trinity, and uh, we'll be happy to send this to anyone who calls and asks. The number is 800 835 Six seven four seven, and again we have two free offers, two books. The one's on the Trinity, the other one talks about the Spirit. It's, I think it's Life in the Spirit is what it's entitled. We'll be happy to send uh, either one of those to anyone who calls and asks. You're listening to Bible Answers Live. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Call us at 1-800-GOD-SAYS. We've got Elizabeth listening from New York. Elizabeth, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi. Thank you for your ministry. I have a question about body piercing and tattoos. What does the Bible have to say about that? Well, there's one verse that's pretty clear. If you read this, this would be the New King James Version. I think several other versions. Leviticus 19.28. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead or tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. Uh, The Bible tells us in the New Testament that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I realize even as I say this, that there's a lot of folks who are listening <laughs> in their homes or driving down the road and their eyebrows just went up and they thought, man, tattoos are ubiquitous now. Everybody's getting tattoos and there's tattoo parlors, uh, you know, on every corner practically. Um, but even though it's uh, just become a norm, God says that, you know, our bodies, he doesn't want us putting graffiti. <laughs> it's, you know, it's one thing that kids are kind of painting them their face like a clown at a carnival and they go home, wash it off. But tattoos are, it's kind of making a permanent mutilation or mark in your body. Same thing with whether you're making cuttings or putting, poking holes in your body. God doesn't want us to mutilate our bodies. Uh, he made our bodies with the right number of holes in the beginning. I don't think he wants us to add or subtract to that. And, uh, or they, it was a common custom in pagan worship. The prophets of Baal leapt on the altar and cut themselves. And then you read about the man in Mark chapter five, who's demon possessed and he cut himself with stones. And, and there's people struggling with mental illness today that, uh, they, it's not a mental illness. It's, it's really just a, um, a specific problem of cutting and um, no God wants us to take care of our bodies I'm happy to hear that I had questions well thank you so much yeah now the only exception to that is that when a male boy was eight days old and he was to go through the rite of circumcision <laughs> that was the only cutting I know of in the Bible that they said they allowed <laughs> at that time all right well thank you for your call Elizabeth we've got uh, Noah listening in Illinois Noah welcome to the program Thank you for having me, Doug and Jane, or, yeah, Pastor Ross. Yeah, and your question. My question is, Is was there, like, specific dog breeds on Noah's Ark? I believe that uh, Noah was told to take two of each species. So, you know, you may not have had 20 different kinds of cats. I think there was one lion-like cat, and all of the bigger and smaller cats have, you know, come from that. And I think there were two, when I say one cat, I mean one species. There was a male and a female, and there was probably two dogs. And it's interesting, National Geographic did a, um, a DNA backtrack on dogs, and they said all modern dogs, the DNA of all modern dog breeds today can be traced back to a very large wolf-like dog, or in two of them, and that was probably more like uh, a wolf or a husky. And... Um, yeah, all the different breeds of human in the world trace back to Adam and Eve and then again to Noah and his wife. So, yeah, I, I don't think God didn't need Noah to take, you know, 12 different species of sheep or horse or giraffes. And there's one type in these categories. Okay, thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Believe it or not, a Chihuahua and a Great Dane are both dogs and you can cross them. <laughs> I don't know what you get. A gate wawa. <laughs> a great wawa. I don't know what it is. But uh, yeah, there's only two. All right, let's get some more questions. We've got Shannon in Michigan. Shannon, welcome to the program. Hi, good evening. I'm wondering. Um, evening. Are Moses and Elijah in heaven? I wonder if you could clarify for me. Yeah, you read in Second Kings chapter 2 that uh, God took Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. And then if you read in Mark chapter 9, it says both Elijah and Moses appeared to Jesus on this Mount of Transfiguration. And Moses, it's believed that the Lord raised him three days. Now, this is not in the Bible, but there's uh, some 
ancient Jewish writings that was called the Assumption of Moses. It's referred to by, I think, early church father named Origen. The original copies aren't around anymore. And it says that after God, after Moses was laid to rest, God buried him. And three days later, he raised him. Now, you do find in the book of Jude, and I think it's verse 9, that when uh, Michael, the angel, comes to resurrect Moses, that he has a dispute with uh, the devil. Actually, he won't dispute the devil. He simply says, the Lord rebuke thee. So, um there is evidence that Moses was raised and Elijah was raised and they are in heaven now. Hey, all right. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much for your question. Hey, Pastor Ross, we do have a book on that called The Two Witnesses. We'll send you a free copy. It's a great book. And uh, we'll be happy to send this to you, Shannon, or anyone who would like to receive that. Just ask for the book. It's called The Two Witnesses. The number is 800-835-6747. And again, ask for that free offer. We've got Samuel listening in Tennessee. Samuel, welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor Doug. Hi, how are you? Yeah, doing all right. Uh, first off, I'd like to say thank you, and thank you, Gene uh, Ross, for all the hard work that you have done. Well, thank you. It's been a blessing. It's hard to believe we've been going about 26 years with this program now. Yeah. All right. Wow. Um, my my question for you is, is the nebula of Orion the the gateway to heaven? Well, the Bible doesn't specifically say that. A number of Christian astronomers and some commentators believe that if you want to know where in the heavens you would find the dwelling place of God, there are three, is it three? Yeah, there's three places in the Bible where Orion is mentioned. Two of them are in Job, and one of them is in Amos. Uh, Job 9.9, Job 38.31, and Amos 5.8. And it talks about, can you loose the belt of Orion? He made the bear Orion in the Pleiades. And uh, then Amos says, he made the Pleiades in Orion. He turns the shadow of death into morning. So in the Northern Hemisphere, they often looked at that section of the skies. And they, I think some of the early Christians believe that the place of God's dwelling was through a corridor up there. But there's no scripture that really says that. And of course, just to add to that, we know in the Bible that deliverance often comes from the east. Mm-hmm. Uh, it speaks Jesus himself said the second coming would be as lightning that shines from the east even to the west. Right. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Orion can be observed in the northern hemisphere, but also in the southern hemisphere, which is kind of interesting. Oh, can it? I didn't know that. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of in the middle and it's enough to the east. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like you look at, for example, in the Bible, you have deliverance of Israel when they were in captivity. Uh, Sometimes deliverance would come from the east. Uh, Revelation speaks about uh, deliverance coming from the east or judgment from the east. So, yeah, you put all of that together. It appears to be that uh, the second coming comes, Christ comes from the east, the direction of Orion. It's interesting. Uh, Yep. I'd put an X on the sky and keep watching. All right. Hey, thanks so much, Samuel. Appreciate your question. All right, we've got Diane listening in Arizona. Diane, welcome to the program. Hello, you two. Happy New Year. Hope it's going to be a better year this year. Amen. Um, I got a quick. I got a quick question in Revelation, the angels, the third angel's message. Okay, I have a question on the second, that the angel said Babylon has fallen, has fallen. I don't think it's literally, but can you explain it to me? Sure. Yeah, I'll jump in and pass it out. You can add, you know, Babylon is given 
or at least the name Babylon is used in Revelation for a woman that's described in Revelation 17. And a woman in Bible prophecy represents a church. So here is a religious system that uh, the Bible describes as being fallen. It's interesting to note that Babylon, you have Babylon the mother, but you also have daughters. So these would be churches that buy into the doctrines or the teachings of the mother church. It's also interesting that you have two falls. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. There is a fall of the mother. There is the fall of the daughters. So the daughter churches would be those who have set aside Bible teaching for man-made tradition. And of course, we find that beginning during the Dark Ages, even before the Dark Ages, many pagan uh, ideas and teachings finding their way into the Christian church. And this is what the second angel is warning about. It's warning about these, these false teachings, false doctrines that we find not just in Catholicism, but some of the teachings have even found their way into Protestant churches. So there is, there is the warning. Um, we need to come out of this religious confusion, make us stand upon the teachings of the Bible. Okay, well, thank you very much, and have a happy new year, a better year with Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, Diane. Thanks for your call. Our next caller that we have is uh, Daria, listening from the Bahamas. Daria, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you, and make sure and speak up, because you're calling from a long way. (laughs) Okay, no problem. Um, My question is... um, is it deceptive to show an inaccurate representation of Jesus, especially when we know that it creates, specifically for certain races, doubt of who he is and what his mission was on earth? Yeah, so you're talking about if someone portrays like a picture of Jesus? Yes, yeah, correct. Especially, you know, obviously in books and magazines and presentations. Right. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, you know, I've I've struggled with this myself because Pastor Ross and I, we travel, you do evangelistic programs. We often use slides. Uh, if we prepare a slide program in North America, it is typically going to depict something like the traditional view of Jesus with, you know, hazel hair and, and uh, you know, brown or blue eyes. And, uh, and then if you go to India... It makes it a little more difficult for them to relate. And we've done meetings and we've been to India together and Africa and Australia and everywhere you go. You know, people have a little different spin on Jesus. And so it's always nice if you can be sensitive to that. Sometimes, though, you struggle with finding artists' representations. And so, um, but it does always help when you're doing evangelistic art in your presentations. if If you have artwork that will be relatable by, uh, you know, to the various cultures that you're in. But that said, you know, it is fairly certain that Jesus looked like a Galilean Jew or a, um, uh, yeah, he lived up in Galilee, but they probably all looked the same all through the land of Israel. And he must have mingled in looking like just about everybody else because even Judas needed to identify him by betraying him with a kiss. The guards couldn't figure out which one was Jesus. He looked like everyone else. Anyway, hey, thanks so much for your question, Daria. We're going to have to take a break right now. Friends, don't go away. This is just a break. We've got uh, the best Bible questions. I see you lined up and ready. We're coming back in just a few moments. Stay tuned. Bible Answers Live will return shortly.
If you enjoy hearing solid biblical answers on Bible Answers Live, you can have those same insights at your fingertips through the Amazing Facts Prophecy Study Bible. The updated hardcover version is available at its lowest price ever and includes the complete set of Amazing Facts 27 study guides, plus a Bible numbers and symbols chart and eight pages of colorful maps. This best ever Bible gives you a biblical cyclopedic index, words of Christ in red, chronology of the Old Testament, along with Doug Batchelor's How to Study the Bible feature and much more. Call us at AF Bookstore to learn more about it at 1-800-538-7275. The Amazing Facts Prophecy Study Bible stands apart from other Bibles, giving you the same solid answers you hear each week on Bible Answers Live. Order your copy today at afbookstore.com or by calling 1-800-538-7275. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Through radio, television, print, evangelistic events, and the Internet, Amazing Facts International is heeding the call of Jesus to go into all the world. Millions of individuals in over 150 countries have been blessed by the Word of God. Amazing Facts has spawned new spheres of influence in India, Africa, China, and Indonesia. With each new country come hundreds of translated booklets, study guides, and video presentations produced in each region for the people of that region. Armed with these precious truths, gospel workers are empowered to spread bright rays of light on every path they travel. Please visit reachtheworld.amazingfacts.org to learn more about Amazing Facts International and how you can participate in this exciting soul-winning ministry. That website again is reachtheworld.amazingfacts.org. Thank you for your support. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, where every question answered provides a clearer picture of God and His plan to save you. So what are you waiting for? Get practical answers about the good book for a better life today. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this evening's program, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, let's rejoin our hosts for more Bible Answers Live. Welcome back, listening friends, to BAL, Bible Answers Live. A blessed new year to all of you. And we are going to be taking your Bible questions without much delay. Uh, if you want to call in, once again, 800-GOD-SAYS, 800-463-7297 with your Bible questions. And the number for our free offers is also up on the screen if you go to Facebook. And that would be the Doug Batchelor Facebook page or the Amazing Facts Facebook page. You can see what's going on in the studio here. Uh, I always wonder why anyone would want to, but people do seem to like tuning in to watching radio. And so you're welcome to join us uh, via Facebook as well. I am Doug Batchelor. My name is John Ross. And Pastor, just maybe to add to that, we are excited this new year. Our hope, and it looks like it's coming together, is to um, expand Bible Answers Live, that it's not only a radio program, but it actually becomes a, a weekly television program, television broadcast. Yes. And we're looking to use Amazing Facts TV and maybe even some other outlets to broadcast, so uh, stay tuned, friends. Um, not only would you be able to hear us, but we want to try and get this program on the air. 
do something different. All right, we've got, uh, let's see, Luke is listening in Minnesota. Luke, welcome to the program. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Doing good. And your question tonight. So I have a question about um, Ezekiel chapter 38, um, kind of spilling into 39. Um, verse 8 seems to, in my opinion, point towards the latter days. Um, and then verse 20 um, talks about uh, all the men of the earth. Um, talk about uh, 20, are you talking about 39 or 38 verse 20? Chapter Chapter 38, verse 8, um, seems to me to, to point towards um, the fulfillment of Israel become, re-becoming a nation. The, the verse about the sundial going down. No, this is Ezekiel. Uh, oh, okay, I misunderstood. Yeah. I think our, our screener 30. put down Isaiah, so that, that's <laughs> through us both. Oh. I got it. Okay, great, great. Okay. That, now it's making sense. Let me read Sorry. verse 8, just so we get the context for those who are listening without, without a, uh, their Bible. It says, Ezekiel 38, 8, and after many days you will be visited, and in the latter years you will come again into the land of those who brought you back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They might be brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. So you're wondering, if, is, this, is this prophecy referring to a historical event, or is it referring to something yet in the future? Well, I was wondering if it was something in the future, because um, it, it seems to me that, um, you know, it goes through a list of a lot of different places that will rise up against Israel. Yeah. And in verse 11, it talks about, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages, and I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Um, in my opinion, I don't think that that ever really happened in the history of Israel as a nation. Yeah, I think you're looking, the key here is at the very beginning of chapter 38, it says, Gog in the land of Magog. Yep. That takes you to Revelation 20. Correct. Which is future. Yep. And, and so I guess going through, like in um, chapter, or verse 20 of 38, it talks about, um, you know, all the men on the face of the earth uh, and the mountains will be thrown down and the steep places will fall. But yet in 39, it talks about the burial of Gog. And it says that the Israelites will, for seven months, bury them. Yeah. All right. You know, I and think... So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. So I, I, I guess, you know, like I understand like in, in the end times that, you know, there will be a great earthquake, um, which is spoken of um, in verse... In, verse 19 of chapter 38, that there's going to be a great earthquake, but then you have a seven-month time period following that earthquake. I think the key to understanding um, Ezekiel 38 and 39 is Revelation 20. It's describing a time following the millennium where all of the wicked who've ever lived, and it names all these nations that were the historic enemies of Israel, are going to come against the city of God. They represent the lost of all ages, the wicked of all ages. They come against the people of God who are saved. They're in the new Jerusalem. And um, they launch this final attack. And it says that, you know, Satan, he, he rises up against them and God rains fire down out of heaven and devours them. 
and then there there is a period of time where they're being destroyed. Yeah, yeah let me read that passage because uh, it kind of goes along with this. It says, now when the thousand years were finished, Satan was released from his prison and he went out to deceive the nations which were on the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. There we have that phrase. To gather them to battle, the number is as the sand of the sea. And they went up in the breadth of the earth, surrounded the camp of the saints, the beloved city, that would be the New Jerusalem. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So this is the final great battle, or the showdown um, between the forces of good, forces of evil. And yes, it occurs at the end of that 1,000-year period. So there is a great resurrection that takes place at the end of the millennium, end of the 1,000 years. You know, we do have a study guide that gets into this in more detail, and it's called A Thousand Years of Peace. And it's all about the millennium, touches a little bit on Gog and Magog and the battle at the end. So we'll be happy to send this to you, Luke, or anyone wanting to learn more about these fascinating prophecies. As for the study guide, it's called A Thousand Years of Peace. The number is 800-835-6747. And we'll get that in the mail and send it off to you. Yeah, another key verse here. It says, I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him and his troops and many people flooding rain, hail, and brimstone. So what you, same mm-hmm. thing you find Judgment. in Revelation 20. Yeah, it says they cover the earth like a cloud. So anyway, yeah, I think that that unfolds here. The seven months, that could be a symbolic term for just the judgment. Seven is often a time for, you know, the cleansing. But um, big study. It's hard to study two chapters in a quick Bible question. <laughs> hey, thanks so much. Get the resource. All right, we've got Ross listening in uh, California. Ross, welcome to the program. Good name. Thank you. I was wondering, uh, what was the lifespan of uh, Adam and Eve and Moses, Abraham, and Noah? I think you already told me about Noah, 120 years. Well, the the time that Noah preached is 120 years. The Bible tells us that Adam lived 930 years. It does not give the age of Eve. There's very few women in the Bible where it gives their age. I think we can figure the age of of, uh, Sarah was was 120 or 127 years. I think it does give her age. But um, Abraham lived 175 years. Moses lived 120 years. Noah lived, I think, 965 years. So, um, yeah, they're, uh, they they lived uh, centuries before the flood. Then after the flood, their lives quickly shortened. Yeah, Noah lived 950 years. 50 years, I'm sorry, died. okay. Yeah, it was Methuselah, 969. Is yes. that right? Yep. So, the oldest. Anyway, hope that helps a little, Ross. I was wondering if something else in my King James Version Bible that says Job's name is in the front and the context it says J-O-B, but uh, I think I saw, unless I just imagined it, it's J-O-B-E. Yeah, there's both spellings, and it, the English took Job, and as a matter of fact, if you're from England and your name is Job, you'll spell it J-O-B-E. Um, but we, uh, you know, in, in American, you say I'm applying for a job, J-O-B. And so Job was J-O-B-E. It's a little different pronunciation, but the old English typically still spells it J-O-B. I, I heard a, uh, I remember hearing a preacher that was a self-taught preacher, and he was preaching from the book of Job. And it just I sat there and listened to his whole sermon about job. <laughs> so, all right. Hey, thanks so much, Ross. We've got uh, Robert listening in Washington. Robert, welcome. Welcome to you, too. Welcome back, and Happy New Year. Thank you. 
Likewise, and your question tonight. Uh, Hebrews 13, uh, I sometimes, uh, as I'm talking online with different peoples, um, they'll tell me that the Ten Commandments are obsolete and not valid anymore, and they like to use this verse, Hebrews 8.13. Hebrews 8.13? Okay. I believe so. Yeah. Well, let's take a look here. It says, and in that he says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete is growing old and ready to vanish away. And that's absolutely true. Uh, The old covenant is not the Ten Commandments. The old covenant is the agreement. A covenant is an agreement. It's um, a contract. And the agreement is based upon things. Now the old covenant was an agreement that the people said, all the Lord has said we will do. They agreed to keep the Ten Commandments. Uh, The new covenant, God said, I'm going to take my law, same commandments. He said, I'm going to put them in your heart and I will. It's based on the promises of God. The old covenant is faulty based upon the promises of the people. The new covenant is based on the promise of God. But God has not thrown out the Ten Commandments where now Christians are no longer obligated to uh, be honest or not murder (laughs) and the other, you know, ten or eight commandments beside them. But you know, verse 10, I think really clarifies what you're saying, Pastor Dick. It says, for this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my laws in their mind and write it in their hearts. Mm -hmm. So it's not taking away the Ten Commandments, but rather it's taking the Ten Commandments from tables of stone and putting it in the heart. And uh, of course, if the Ten Commandments are written in your heart, uh, you will keep those those laws so yeah a rich young ruler came to jesus we just read this uh, this week and you can read this in uh, mark chapter 10 it's also in matthew he said good master what should i do to have eternal life jesus said keep the commandments <laughs> and so um, we're not keeping them to be saved but for the believer you keep them because you are saved and you want to please the lord we have a special uh, free offer we'll be happy to give you robert that talks about the uh why the old covenant failed Yes. It's a great booklet by Joe Cruz. We'll send it to anyone wanting to learn more about the New Covenant and what the Bible says. 800-835-6747. Ask for the book, Why the Old Covenant Failed. Again, that's 800-835-6747. Brett is listening in Atlanta, Georgia. Brett, welcome to the program. Uh, Good evening, pastors. How are you all? Doing good. Thank you. Good. Uh, My question relates to Matthew 532. Um, I'm divorced and in a situation where my, my child, my, my children and myself are being abused, my now wife is divorced in a situation where her husband never really left his parents' house to be a part of their marriage. Um, and so our concern is the part where it says uh, committing adultery if, if we're divorced uh, for, for any other reason other than adultery. So it's always complicated to... Uh, go deep into this question on the phone because there's usually lots of um, a lot of details that can uh, affect this. But I think you're saying that you're divorced and you're remarried now and the person you're remarried to also has been divorced and you're wondering, am I getting this right? You're wondering if the Bible is saying your marriage is not valid? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Well, biblically, the only grounds for divorce and remarriage is adultery. Um, some make a, an argument that abandonment, you know, sometimes a man will marry a woman, have a couple of kids, and then he takes off for 10 years. At some point, I think a Christian 
would uh, say that that person is they're not coming back and and they'd probably be free to have that marriage annulled and remarry um and then you've got also in first corinthians 7 if two pagans are married and one becomes a christian and the unbeliever says look i'm divorcing you because i didn't i didn't marry a christian i don't want to be married to a christian paul said in such cases let them depart you should try to keep the marriage together to have a sanctifying influence especially if there's children but what if two people who maybe don't have biblical grounds for divorce and remarriage, they do it, and then they look at the Scripture and say, oh, now what do we do? Should they then divorce and go back to their original spouses? Well, that's not always practical, and Deuteronomy says you can't do that or it defiles the land. And God doesn't want his wife swapping and going back. Um, it, it is a sin. It is not the unpardonable sin. You have that woman that Jesus spoke to in uh, John chapter 4. He said, you've had five husbands and you're living with a character you're not married to. Uh, but yet he revealed he was the Messiah. Uh, you know, understandably, she could be saved. David had no right to marry Bathsheba and he was punished for that sin. But later it says Bathsheba was his wife and they had a child together that ended up being the king, Solomon. So, you know, they were forgiven, but it was a sin. So, you know, God kind of meets us where we're at, and you can't unscramble scrambled eggs. I always say you should probably talk to a good Bible-based pastor that you can just, you know, give them the details and, and ask for some counsel on that. But, yeah, I don't recommend if you're married to you get divorced now. You know, we do, especially if there's children involved. Yeah. Um, we have a book. It's called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage, and we'll be mm -hmm. happy to send this out. Um, and I think, Brett, you'll find this very helpful. The number is 800-835-6747. And again, just ask for the book. It's called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage, written by Pastor Doug. A lot of Bible in there, a lot of scripture. So you'll find that encouraging when you read through that. we got Raymond listening from uh, Louisiana. Raymond, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything you guys are doing. This is actually my first time to ever listen to the program. So uh, I've been really enjoying everything you guys have to offer. Uh, my question. We hope it's habit forming. Thank you. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, well, listen, I, I, I um, long time Christian, lived in hypocrisy for a long time, um, outwardly, publicly, uh, portrayed the Christian, but um, behind closed doors, uh, I have not. Uh, you know, I've been, lived a life of hypocrisy, and uh, I am repenting from those things, um, and I've been working through all that, but I'm having trouble with grace. I'm having trouble. Now, I have faith that God will, can forgive me, but I'm, I'm really struggling with it, and I'm, 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 uh, I, I, I'm just struggling to, to deal with my sins. I'm very ashamed. I'm, I'm very ashamed. I'm, I'm very shameful, I, and I'm, I'm just, it's, it's really hard. So. Well, you know, that, that's a great starting point. If you weren't ashamed, I'd be worried. Shame is, that's the birthplace of repentance. It's sorrow for sin, and it's the sorrow for sin that uh, leads us to want to turn from sin. And the Bible tells us that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And so I think I'm hearing you freely admit that you're a sinner and that you've been a hypocrite. And uh, praise God, there's hope for the hypocrite or there'd be no hope for anybody. But Jesus came to save sinners. You qualify. And so he certainly came to save you. And God is more willing to save you than maybe you believe. Uh, he's desperate to save you. He loves us more than we love our earthly children. And though you may have 
fallen seven times. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. Uh, God is very merciful. He casts seven devils out of Mary Magdalene. And so, you know, tell the Lord you're sorry. And he, he knows you mean it. Tell him you're weak. You know, even Peter followed Jesus three and a half years and then denied him three times. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. He was ashamed. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He says, I love you. And Jesus forgave him. And he not only forgave him, he put him back to work. So just yeah, really believe, Raymond. Now, we've got a book, Three Steps to Heaven. Yep. Well, actually, there's two books I'm thinking about, Pastor. Okay. I guess one great book. It's called Three Steps to Heaven. I want to encourage you to call and ask for that. Here's another book that we don't always hand out, but it's great. It's called Is It Possible to Live Without Sinning? And it's an encouraging book. I mean, we want to gain the victory. Is it possible for a Christian to to gain that victory? Well, that's encouraging when you see what the Bible says on that. And we'll be happy to send both to you if you just call and ask anyone. Uh, we got Three Steps to Heaven. Is it possible to live without sinning? The number to call is 800-835-6747. That's 800-835-6747. Just call and ask for those books, and uh, we'll get in the mail. You know, I, I want to... I'm going to really complicate things. I'm going to mention a third book for Raymond. You mentioned grace, and we have a great book called Riches of His Grace. Mm -hmm. You can ask for that as well. And I think you can read all three of these for free online right now if you want. Just head on over to the Amazing Facts website. We have a, a free online library, and uh, you can kind of look through the various books that we have there, and these are great books to read. Download the PDFs and read them, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thanks for your call. We've got uh, Damon listening from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Damon, welcome to the program. Hello. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Thank you. Your question. Yeah, yeah I was wondering how to better explain um, making a connection with God's seal in the Sabbath. Um, usually when I try to do this, I kind of go towards like speaking about the mark and how like the dragon gave the Roman Catholic Church its power. And connecting it and saying and showing them like, you know, the mark of the Roman Catholic Church, their authority is Sunday, but God already has a day of worship with us the Sabbath. But I kind of struggle making a connection with God still in the Sabbath, like explaining that. Well, I'll tell you what, there's if you look in, let's talk about the seal of God. Everyone thinks about the mark of the beast and you really need to be marked by God to be saved. You read in Isaiah chapter 8, bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. And in the Ten Commandments, in the law of God, you find one commandment that actually has the word holy in it. And that is the Sabbath commandment. And it's about our time with God. And time is what life is made of. God wants a love relationship with us. And so this is the seal. You can also read in Ezekiel 9 about everybody that is saved in Ezekiel 9. There's a judgment on the house of God, but those that sigh and cry for the sins, they receive this mark, this seal that saves them. It protects them. So take a look at Ezekiel 9. I think we've got a book that talks about the, um, the seal of God, and we'll be happy to share that with you. Again, if you'd like to receive more information about the seal of God or the mark of the beast, we want to recommend our Amazing Facts Study Guide series. There's actually two parts to it, and people might not know this, and it's available online. We encourage you to go ahead and sign up online or just call and ask. Uh, we have the introductory set of lessons, but then this question, talking about the seal of God, the mark of the beast, is part of our advanced online Bible course. And the reason we're encouraging you to do this, there's a whole lot of background 
a lot of scripture. Uh, it's a big subject, an important subject. We want to encourage folks to sign up and take advantage of our free online Bible school. The number is 800-835-6747. You can just ask, say, I, I, enroll me in the Amazing Facts Bible School. You can do it online or you can uh, subscribe. We'll send you the lessons. You can read through them, fill it in, send it back to us, and it will be a big encouragement. We've got uh, Kathy listening in Virginia. Kathy, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you. Hi. And your question? Um, uh, forgive me. I'm a little emotional. I'm sorry. Um, okay. So Jesus said if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you know, you can ask and I will give it to you. And, and the Bible says that if you have somebody sick and you call in the elders of the church and you have them anointed, um, that the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Mm-hmm. Does it say it might? Does it say if God's not on vacation, it just says it will? But it, my mother was a wonderful, godly, actually Seventh-day Adventist Christian woman, and she believed, and I believed, and she died a very miserable death. And I struggle with that a lot. Mm. Well, and so... There, the promises of God in the Bible, of course, are, are true. When he says that uh, the prayer of faith will save the sick. Um, first of all, you know, sometimes a person will get up in age and typically we, we uh, have problems with our health. Even the prophet Elisha, who had a double portion of Elijah's spirit, he died of a lingering illness. Here, Elijah goes to heaven in a fiery chariot. But it didn't challenge his faith. He knew that God was working through that. Paul, who healed many people, he had a thorn in his side, some medical, physical problem. And he said, Lord, three times, can you take it from me? And God God said, uh, yeah, when you get to heaven, but not now. <laughs> he said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so, yes, sometimes God does allow suffering. and But it doesn't mean he's not answering our prayers. Well, you know, I think you mentioned the verse, the prayer of faith will save the sick. We often think of that in terms of now, but of course the greater meaning, the greater promise is that there is going to be a resurrection morning mm-hmm. and the dead in Christ will rise first. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow. Sometimes God does extend a person's life now, and we've seen a pastor dug in oh, ministry yeah. in miraculous ways, but also there have been cases where we've prayed for someone, we've anointed them with oil, we've had faith, and it's a believer, and yet uh, in God's will, he determines he sees best to lay them to rest and uh, sometimes we have questions but you know the amazing thing is people who believe in Christ and trust in him even if they go through some sickness or pain they can be such a witness where other people look at them and say do you still believe Mm -hmm. Uh, look you're struggling you're suffering and yet their faith is strong and what an encourage that encouragement that is to so many that's right absolutely and Kathy you said your your mother was a person of great faith keep in mind when she closes her eyes in death, her next conscious thought is complete healing and a glorified body. And so that prayer is going to be answered. Uh, when Jesus comes, he's giving her a glorified body, no pain, no sorrow, no death. And um, But, you know, it, it does break our hearts when we see loved ones suffer. I've seen it, and I think everyone listening. Don't let that challenge your faith. God is still good. Uh, listening friends, we probably wouldn't be fair to take another question. I see Christy and Edward and Rick and Diane and Julianne and Sue waiting to get your question answered. I don't think we're going to get to you tonight. I hope you will give us another chance next week. And we want to wish everybody a blessed new year. 
I, I know there's still a lot of challenges going on around the country. And whatever the problem is, we still believe that Jesus is the answer. We'd encourage you to go to the Amazing Facts website, and you can also be um, looking at, listening to these resources all through the year. We've got Bible studies. We have sermon videos. And after you enjoy them, if you're being edified spiritually, pass it along to your friends. And if you are blessed, we're 100% listener-supported. You know what that means. Just uh, go to the website and click Donate. Keep us on the air for another year, and uh, we'll look forward to studying with you next week. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We hope you understand your Bible even better than before. Bible Answers Live is produced by Amazing Facts International, a faith-based ministry located in Granite Bay, California. The Bible tells us that salvation, of course, emanates from God. So we need to know something about God to rightly understand and embrace salvation. Yet in the church today, there's a great deal of confusion about the nature of God. The Bible says God is one God, but is he three persons? Is Jesus also eternal God? Because Jesus is the Son of God, does that mean there was a time when he did not exist or he was brought into existence? Is the Holy Spirit a person? Or is he just the force and the energy that God uses to communicate? You know, I thought this was so important, I really felt led of the Lord to write a book on the subject called Exploring the Trinity, One God or Three. In this book, we answer those very important questions. We talk about the history of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, as well as the history of the Holy Spirit in the church and how it has been much debated. This is something we really need to understand because Jesus said eternal life comes from knowing God. Can't get enough Amazing Facts Bible study? You don't have to wait until next week to enjoy more truth-filled programming. Visit the Amazing Facts Media Library at AFTV.org. At AFTV.org, you can enjoy video and audio presentations as well as printed material all free of charge, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, right from your computer or mobile device. Visit AFTV.org. For life-changing Christian resources, visit afbookstore.com. Did you know Amazing Facts has a free Bible school that you can do from the comfort of your own home? It includes 27 beautifully illustrated study lessons to aid in your study of God's Word. Sign up today for this free Bible study course by calling 1-844-215-7000. That's 1-844-215-7000. If you'd like to enhance your study of God's Word, visit our website at www.amazingfacts.org and sign up for our free Bible study course. And make sure to check out our online bookstore at afbookstore.com, which offers thousands of inspiring books, DVDs, and more to help you get the most out of God's Word. To take advantage of the offers you've heard on this broadcast, call us at 800-835-6747 or visit our website at amazingfacts.org.